Devin Booker leads the NBA in just about every statistical category these playoffs. On today's episode of Locked on Suns, is he the best playoff player so far? And what does that mean for the Phoenix Suns? Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Monday to start out a new week of Suns basketball. Game five is on Tuesday. We might have a game one before the week is over. So thank you for making this part of your day every day. We are on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. So hit follow or subscribe if you have not done so already. Get locked onto your favorite team. Become an everydayer. Listen to this show every day to get the analysis and news and insights that you need to be the smartest person among your son's friend group. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Be in your group chat, knowing stuff that other people do not know. It's a Monday show, and we have a little bit of a different meandering analysis to get to today. Meandering is a, a negative word. I'm going to bring it for you guys today. I have three things I want to talk about, but we're starting with Devin Booker. We'll talk about the Suns having some fun again, finally, and then we'll also get to how they stack up in the NBA because I spent the whole weekend watching playoff basketball, and I want to tell you my thoughts about the, the bigger picture here. It's a very wide-open thing still here in the league and in the Western Conference, but we're starting to find some things out. Who's good? Who's going to be challenged? What individual sides of the ball are most dominant but let's dive in Devin Booker leads the NBA as I said in any number of statistical categories that you want to point to points per game steals per game um we have field goals made field goals attempted he is shooting 52 of 91 from the field so far in these playoffs which is 57 percent Obviously, the Suns are off to a 3-1 lead, getting ready for round two. Winning a, a series in five games would put him considerably ahead of the pack as Golden State and, and Sacramento are tied up at two games apiece. And obviously, you know, Memphis and, and Los Angeles, we don't know. That, that series has been very peculiar. Advanced categories, PER, box plus minus, VORP, all of these things. Booker is at the top of. I don't remember the game when I really started to feel like it was Devin Booker's best season. During the regular season, I can't put my finger on it. I'm going to look through the game log just in case. I, I had this one in my head and, and it, I can't help but circle back to it. But the Oklahoma City game on March 8th which is the game when Durant sprained his ankle pregame. Booker had 44 points in 27 minutes in that game. And I have to admit that I think it was that one. But no matter what, 
I do feel like I was on this early. The everydayers probably heard it maybe before March 8th. Maybe you remember. Let me know if so. It would be pretty insane and impressive if you did, but, you know, who knows? 27.8 points per game in the regular season on 49% shooting, 5.5 assists, which is the hot, his Chris Paul era high, and uh, still taking a lot of threes, six per game, which he was at seven last year, six this year, but he was a, he had a dip prior to that from when really since Monty got here, he was in the fives, and then last year he picked it up to seven, now this year back to six. More uh, free throw attempts per game than in any season since Monty's first year. All of those things obviously make this a great Devin Booker season. I, if I had a vote, would make him my third team All-NBA guard. These playoffs have just been an affirmation, right? Devin Booker's not showing anything to us that I, I feel like we didn't already know about him. Maybe you feel differently. Maybe you feel like that is underselling his performance, and that's fine. I guess it sort of is. But I don't think he's showing us anything new. I just think what it is is that he also has the most total points in the NBA um, so far in the playoffs, a lot of other guys have played four games at this point now. Trey, Murray, Brunson, Bridges, all those guys, and then Fox and Curry are tied for second. Tatum, those guys have all played four games. Booker has 13 more points than anyone else. That's all things we've seen from him, right? What I was saying is the level of performance, uh, the level of opponent is what's raised this performance to another level. This is not only the playoffs. We've seen him score back-to-back -back 40 pieces in, in the NBA Finals. We've seen him have a triple-double. We've seen him have multiple seven three-pointer-plus games back in 2021. We saw him score, what was it, in the first half in Game 2 against the Pelicans last year. I can get that number for everybody. Uh, he had uh, 31 points against the Pelicans in that game two before getting injured. All these moments have been there. So that's the playoffs. I guess he's done that before too. It's also the level of competition, right? The Clippers are doing everything in their power to stop him, and it has not mattered, right? The Clippers' game plan going in is very clearly to try to take away the star players, that means crowding the paint. That means sending extra defen defenders at those guys. That means trying things like blitzing, the play that I broke down in detail in the first segment of the bonus show from Saturday where Booker got blitzed on the right wing and threw a one-handed skip pass to the corner for a Kevin Durant three. All of these things are designed to prevent Booker from hurting them, and it has not worked. That's what's impressive because... I want to be careful how I say this, but I think it's fair. In the finals, there was a certain level of comfort that the Bucks had with allowing Booker to score. He was still being guarded by Holiday and Middleton and these guys, Tucker. He was still, you know, <clears throat> going up against a, a, a champion. They ended up winning, obviously. So, it's... If it was easy to score 40 in the finals, everybody would do it. I'm not saying that it was easy. But I'm saying that the Sun, that the Bucks very clearly said, we are going to stay tight on shooters. 
we are going to play a fairly conservative scheme with Brooke Lopez in a drop and, you know, Drew Holiday and other guys fighting through the screen. And we know that we're, what we're allowing is the, the guy with the ball in his hands to score. It's crazy if you even look back. Chris Paul scored the ball fairly well in those finals. It doesn't feel like it. He's obviously always the, you know, the, the guy who gets mocked in those moments. But he even scored. So there's something to be said for having the ball in, in your hands as much as Booker has had with the defense selling out to stop you and you're still putting up the best numbers of anybody in the NBA. That's not to mention his defense. You know, I've mentioned it every game, so I, I don't feel like I have to necessarily sell you on it right now. But, you know, Booker has 11 steals and five blocks in the playoffs so far, which means he's averaging close to three steals per game and more than one block per game. The Suns have outscored the Clippers by 17 points when Booker has been on the court. That's actually not even as good as Durant, which is sort of crazy, but Booker's also played more minutes, which means, oh no, he's actually played one fewer minute. So Durant has been a bigger positive in the plus-minus category than Booker. Booker also has not been helped with some of the lineups he's been out there with as the lone scorer, especially in games one and two. But his defense has been great. The plus-minus is, is obvious. The advanced stats are showing his impact is the best of anybody. What does that mean then? What does that mean? I guess it doesn't mean anything, right? In the here and now, the Suns need to keep winning. It doesn't matter what Devin Booker's advanced stats say or even necessarily like how he's looked at or anything. But I do think it matters big picture because I just think it's so hard to affect games at this high of a level as a guard. You know, I had a panic attack last year on the, on the show. <laughs> um, you know, I had Kellen Olsen on the, the week after Game 7. I had a, Aaron on. And I was panicking. Is he just too small? Is he too small and the handle's not good enough and he's not going to be able to be the best player on a championship team? And, and obviously, this year, maybe he's not the best player, in quote marks. Capital B, capital P, best player. I don't know. That's a debate for a different day. I think, you know, most people would say Durant. I probably would say Durant too. But he's been better than Durant in this series. And he's been incredible. And so I guess, yeah, again, big picture. It's proving his, his, his dominance and his status in this league in a way that you can't argue with. And that stuff does matter. It's just a championship is the goal. But this is a guy stacking up a legendary career, right? This is somebody who is on his way to the Hall of Fame if he keeps this up. But you think about Russell Westbrook, who's going off on the other side of the court in this in these games. Russell Westbrook was down and out. NBA 75, you know, MVP at one point, done. Lakers killed him. They're calling him a vampire behind his back in the locker room, telling Dave McMenamin to go tell his audience on ESPN that Russell Westbrook is a vampire, right? Like, that's what status does in the league. And you can bet Booker's status already got him Chris Paul and Kevin Durant on this team. The game plan against this team, yeah, you could say Booker is no coincidence. Kevin Durant being there is helping him go off. Sure. But you can't stop either one of these guys. They're just as good as one another, I think, at the here and now in this moment, especially with Booker making strides defensively and as a playmaker, that 
The Suns have two top 10 players. And I don't think people think of them that way. And I don't think that you would have said that heading into the playoffs. Booker has been the best player in the NBA playoffs. And there's two legends on the court for the Suns. Let's talk about having fun again, which I didn't get to on the bonus show and I want to dive into because we saw smiles and jokes and quippy post-game press conferences where everybody's laughing it up, hamming it up. We'll talk about all that in a second. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by Prize Picks. Every day of the NBA playoffs, one Prize Picks user, user will win a chance of becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. If you have six correct picks, $1 million, five $80,000, four $16,000. Full details can be found at pricepicks.com million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. If you don't remember prize picks, you pick two to six players, and if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection... Not you versus a pool, not you in a league, not you versus an opponent. It's just you versus those projections. And again, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Price Picks offers projections on any sport you love, basketball, baseball, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Safe and fast withdrawals, operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. When you sign up on the Price Picks app or pricepicks.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get a 100% instant deposit match. Right back into your account. No matter what you deposit, Price Picks will match that up to $100. Promo code locked on at sign up, prizepicks.com. All righty, let's get into it. The Suns were smiling, the Suns were happy post game. And even before that, now I do the moment of the game on these recap shows as the everydayers know. And um, I always have to pick a moment of the game. One. And I don't know, I sometimes have more than one. And so uh, I didn't get to talk about this, but Chris Paul, the offensive rebound that he had, I'm looking at Kellen Olsen's game story on Arizona Sports, and the, the top thumbnail picture is Chris Paul smiling. And I believe it was after this play. He got the offensive rebound late in that game, which he's been getting offensive rebounds. We've got to talk about that at some point, but gets it, didn't realize it hit the rim, turn around, rainbow jumper over the backboard, behind the backboard, and it goes in, and uh, he is coming down the court with beaming. Devin Booker beaming. And then post-game, you have Durant and Paul doing their post-game press conference together, and Durant is asked by Ramona Shelburne about playing so many minutes, and he said, got the win tonight, didn't we? I think that was his quote. Chris Paul said, speak or something like that, like go off type of thing, like, you know, talk your you-know-what. And it just got me thinking, and I, I, I meant to talk about this in the recap because I had the whole idea of swagger, and I, I talked about it sort of in an on-court standpoint. I, I left out this part, which I think is huge. They haven't had what we saw them have from the late-game situation through that post-game press conference and everything else. I want to say since Game 7 against Dallas... At the very least, I would say the 58 points that Booker put up against the New Orleans Pelicans on December 17th. Now, 
that was a win. If you remember those games, that was right after. They played the Pelicans three times in, in eight days. They lost the first two. One of those was when Zion did the windmill dunk. If you remember, Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, I believe, both got both fouled out of one of those games. That was kind of the pinnacle of the Sun season, I think, from a competitiveness standpoint. Obviously, the Durant trade was in, in real life. But when the Suns won that game, when Booker scored 58, again, December 17th, that put them at 18 and 12. I don't think they were ever six games over 500 again. Maybe you could say that, but maybe that's very specific for you. You know what I'm getting at. The Suns found that quality that we've always known them to have. They were a very, you know, we all know, historically great clutch team in last season. 64 wins. Every time a game was close late, they seemed to pull it out. That was not the case this year. They were, I would say, bad. I don't remember where the exact rankings were with a lot of those categories, but nowhere near last season. And so that that ingredient hasn't been there. They obviously had these injuries. They've had inconsistency from Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges before he went out and decided to break out in Brooklyn was up and down in Phoenix. And so even with Durant, obviously, like I would say they got pretty close with that Dallas game. I think they were feeling pretty good and riding pretty high at that point. And then Durant sprained his ankle. And then the last part of the season, it was, I think, starting to already feel a little bit of panic. They had had that bad stretch, and then they win in Philly and in Sacramento, and then they're able to be uh, on the upswing by the time Durant does come back. But then it's like, all right, let's up the minutes and try to get comfortable, and then we're going to rest at the end of the season and this and that. So outside of a couple of those blips during the regular season, you really hadn't felt any sort of moxie or charisma or, or swagger or fun of any sort with this team since Game 7. But, I mean, even that series was such a slog. You would have to say after Game 2 of that series, which if you're, if you're understanding where I'm getting, it's been almost a calendar year since the Suns had this level of confidence and belief and fun in in their minds while they're playing. And, and that might not sound huge, but I think it is. Um, you know, I've been kind of poking fun at the people during this uh, speeding up process, assimilation of Durant. I've been laughing at the people who talk too much about chemistry, right? Because I, I, I've made the joke on here a ton of times, where's chemistry in the box score, right? Show it to me. Where's chemistry in the standings? Is, there, is that a tiebreaker for the playoffs? Of course not. doesn't mean anything unless you can point to what it's affecting. Right? And so this is something it's affecting. And maybe you can't point to fun or swagger on the box score either, but I, I think where that shows up is winning. And winning comfortably. Game four was the only game that the Suns have won comfortably in this series. And they, they felt that like, and they showed that to us. And I think it was less so that Paul felt like he bottled something special up with the moonshot over the backboard on the offensive rebound, whatever that doesn't matter. They were already up. That didn't win the game. It wasn't a buzzer beater. It wasn't about that shot. It was even this is going right. Right. It's like the MJ shrug. It's like, Everything that we touch is working right now. 
And I don't think that there's been that sense of calm and relief and fun among this team all year. And so that moment mattered. And that game mattered and that win mattered and how they won it, I think, mattered. And I, I think we will look back. Game five will tell us if they can take care of business. I, I think my hypothesis here will start to feel even more accurate. But I think that we will look back on that as a little bit of a turning point with the vibe and emotional feeling around this team. And they're going to need it against Denver because Denver seems to always have some... When they get rolling, it feels like a blast to play on that team. I'm not trying to fast forward, take care of business against the Clippers. Denver might have already swept by the time we talk about this or by the time you hear this. They're up by six in the fourth quarter as I'm hitting record here. But that team is going to be a challenge because they're relentless. They're very similar to Sacramento, who you can watch going toe-to-toe with a champion in Golden State right now. The Suns-Nugget series, I think, will be similar. So I hope that it it is a turning point because it would be a, a weight lifted, and you could feel that weight in the first three games. All right, on that note, let's talk about how the Suns stack up in the Western Conference. Let's talk about what I've seen around the league through the first four games of each series, basically, is where we are at this point, and, and how I feel about the Suns in a, in a season that has a ton of parity and, frankly, is incredibly wide open. We'll get into all that next. First, today's show, guys, brought to you as well by Nissan with their most electric player of the week, brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. I'm going to give it to somebody else. Since I already recapped the bonus, the, the game over the weekend in the bonus show, I gave it to, Dev, to Kevin Durant in that game. In this case, I'm going to give it to my man, Torrey Craig, because he's gotten all the credit that he deserves. Everybody is, is feeling their, you know, their Torrey Craig love right now. But there is a, a confidence and power to his game this season. You can point to the threes and say, well, everything opens up again when Torrey Craig's making threes. But I think being used as a screener, being the secret key ingredient to the Suns' offensive rebounding, where they went from bottom 10 to top 10 this season, that's been a strength again in this series for them. I think being able to guard Kawhi Leonard well enough in the first couple of games and just being a a veteran part of this group. He's been here for three years. Torrey Craig is electric. He is stunningly powerful just like the 2023 Nissan Aria, which packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria is the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Today's show also brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM, the coolest game out there for hoops nerds like me and like you, if you listen to this show. If you've had the same thought of, hey, maybe I could be an NBA GM, you fantasized about managing a basketball franchise? Well, go download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the game, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, and navigating your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. Heard plenty of you in the comments criticizing James Jones. Well, put the hat on yourself, everybody. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline, on the go, as you want, and when you want. Locked On Suns listeners get a free 100% boost to their franchise when you use the code LOCKEDON in the game store. 
Download the game by visiting Pro Basketball GM, scan the code on screen if you're on YouTube, or look it up in your favorite app store. That's probasketballgm.com. Promo code locked on to get a 100% free boost to your franchise. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. Closing out the show, how do the Suns stack up in the Western Conference? How do they stack up in the NBA? Um, let's start with the NBA. I'll get my Eastern Conference thoughts off, off the, out off the top because conversation for a much later date. And we're not going to count any of our uh, eggs before they hatch here on Locked on Suns. I think the Boston Celtics are the team to beat. Giannis is injured. Okay, whatever. I think Boston is filthy deep. I think they have an identity. I think on a lot of nights, Jalen Brown is their best player, and that is a great luxury to have. That is not a shot at Jason Tatum. That is a praise of that roster and what Jalen Brown has turned into as a player. They have shooters. They have ball handlers. They have multiple sizes of lineups. They can go big or small. They can go with an athletic five or a shooting big physical five. They can do any number of things to you, and that's great. They lost one weird one to Atlanta, but that series has been high scoring. Atlanta can get hot. We know that. Okay, on to the Western Conference. I think uh, on, the, on, the, on the big picture full league note, though, I'm still getting used to how much parity there is in the league. And you might be too. I think for a while, uh, the, the only three contenders in the league for like four years were Houston, Golden State, and Cleveland. Any, it, was, it was one of those three teams going to win the finals. And really with Houston, it was only like two years. And that, that just made it hard to evaluate a lot of this stuff. Like, the Celtics kept making the conference finals in that stretch, but, like, they were young. They were they didn't have a, a superstar centerpiece, and you never really thought, okay, are they really going to beat the Cavs? No. Right? And so it was Cleveland, Houston, or it was Golden State. And on top of that, those teams were very stylistically similar. At least Cleveland and Houston were. Heliocentric, one guy doing everything offensively with, with Harden and LeBron. And then, you know, the Warriors made everybody think that they needed to play small and shoot a bunch of threes, even though the Warriors by the end didn't actually like always take a ton of threes outside of Clay and Steph. It was just that they made all of them. And so you got a lot of similar basketball and you got not a lot of very variance in who won the championship until basically Durant tore his Achilles, right? That gives the Raptors a window to finally win with LeBron gone from the East and then it means that Durant leaves, the Warriors go through a downstretch, and everything gets blown wide open. 2020, 2021, and 2022, yes, the Warriors continued on with their dynasty. Very different looking team, and how they played was different. The pieces were different, whatever. Obviously, that's a continuation of the stretch I'm talking about, but it was more in line with now because the Warriors were not thought to be the favorites going into that Western Conference. Your Phoenix Suns, obviously, were. Then the Mavs beat them, so it's like, okay, are the Mavs coming? Are the young Grizzlies coming? No, the answer was nobody. Jokic didn't have his team with him, and so the Warriors get through it. But that was a better example of the parity that I'm talking about now than it was some sort of continuation of Golden State dominance, right? 2020 is a bubble, but you would even still say the same thing. The Heat get through. That seems like a fluke, but is it a fluke, or is that just what it is like now? Even the Bucks, they break through once, but then they lose to Boston in seven the next year. You know, the Suns felt like, you know, they were doing something and then they get blown out by a, an underdog and then they have to make a big trade to blow up their roster. And now we're setting uh, ourselves up for a, once again parity. And so I guess I just put that all out there to say this is what it's supposed to be like, right? Like Michael Jordan had a dynasty. He played a different team every season outside of Utah the last two years, right? 
even the Lakers and Celtics, they only ended up matching up, what, two or three times against one another, but you had Celtics Rockets, you had Lakers Sixers, you had Lakers Bulls, you had Lakers um, Pistons, right? Like all these teams where it's supposed to change every year. It's not normal to have LeBron versus the Warriors for how many straight seasons was it? Six or something like that? Five? It was five. That's not normal. Four. It might have been four. Right? Like, that's not what it's supposed to be. This is what it's supposed to be. And so how do the Suns stack up? I think in the West, Golden State is still the team that would worry me the most. But it's it's more so based on the fact that we just saw this Clippers team throw the Suns off by taking up space on defense and forcing the superstars into difficult decisions and difficult execution. And we know the Warriors can score if, if they need to. Poole was a lot better in game four against, against the Kings. Wiggins has accumulated, uh, has assimilated very quickly. I, I trust that team. They're, they're not as deep as, as, as the Clippers, of course, but Golden State would still worry me the most because they can do that to the Suns. They can do what the Clippers did to the Suns, but even better because their players are healthy right now. And obviously, uh, Draymond Green is, is better than anything going on with the Clippers defense on down the line. Wiggins, Gary Payton, we know. Right, we know what the Warriors are. That would worry me the most. But I think if it's the Kings or the Nuggets that the Suns end up having to face in, well, it will be the Nuggets. If it's the Kings beyond that over the Warriors, if the Suns were to beat the Nuggets. So maybe I should start with Denver. They have a, a sure thing, which is their offense. I would say that typically you don't want one thing, right? You want to be great on both sides of the ball. But I think in this in this newer area of parity in the league, you can be great on one side and be okay. And it has to be offense, right? You're not going to see a, an all-defense team necessarily get all the way there, although the Knicks might make a push for it. But, like, it's it's okay. Like, I think the, the Bucks when they made it through, it was their defense, right? It was their defense that really got them to the end, Giannis was sort of their whole offense. Holiday was not nearly as having as good of a season offensively as he is this year. And it was their defense. I think last year, you know, you had two pretty balanced teams. So, okay, there's a tick mark. I feel like this year you might have a one-sided team. And I think for the Suns, it was really their offense all things considered. I, I don't think that the Suns' finals defense that year, that that final season, their defense was exploitable. The Nuggets scored on them. The Bucks scored on them, etc. I think this year you're going to be able to have a one-sided team, and, and that's where I get to the Nuggets. The Nuggets are going to score. They're going to score at, you know, 115-plus points per 100 possessions, Every game, they're going to put up 110-plus points in the game. They're going to shoot the ball well. They just have too many answers on offense. Even, you know, well, Jokic doesn't really have bad games. But even if he's not scoring, Michael Porter Jr. can get hot. Jamal Murray can create for himself. They have a decent enough bench. They have enough shooting. 
on down the line. The Kings are the same way, right? You know they're going to play fast. You know they're going to score. There's really no question about that. The Warriors haven't been able to stop it. No one's going to be able to stop it. I can tell you that, right? So those are sure things. And that's not going to be easy for the Suns either. But I think the good thing about both Sacramento and Denver compared to the Clippers, especially, they're not as deep. Nobody's really as deep as the Clippers. Obviously, the Warriors aren't super deep, but they can still make life miserable where I think the superstars would have to play. But I think Denver and, and Sacramento are both opponents where you could imagine the Suns having a little bit of an easier time from a minute standpoint. You wouldn't have to have Booker and Durant playing 40-plus, 40 40, mid-40s every single night, ideally, right? You would be able to make the bench a bigger part of the game plan and you could have guys step up off of the bench and actually make an impact whereas in this Clippers series that just very quickly was not going to be an option against the Warriors probably not an option either so that's kind of where I think the Suns stack up but they have this thing that no one else has which is the two best offensive creators in the conference I know I haven't talked about the Lakers or the Grizzlies right now neither one of those teams freak me out all that much I would say right now that the the Suns have the two best creators not named Jokic in the conference, and they have two on the same team, right? The Lakers have LeBron, the Grizzlies have Ja, the Kings have Fox, the Warriors have Curry. Curry's not really a, a creator necessarily in that same exact way. The Suns have that. It's hard to beat. It's just going to be really hard to beat. They're going to be in every series. They're going to be in every game because of that, unless they come up against a team with amazing shooting. I don't really think that team is in the conference. Maybe the Lakers and Grizzlies have that a little bit, but not enough where it's it's going to terrify me. I think Boston is probably the best shooting team in the league. They don't, they're don't they not going to factor in for a little while. So that's how I feel. That's how I think the Suns are, are at an advantage and, and going to be in pole position here to still come out of this conference, even if things have gotten a little tight and the body questions are going to be there with 45 minutes per game for their superstars but that'll wrap us up hopefully that starts your week on a positive note we'll have a full game preview to get you ready for tuesday the everydayers can look forward to that show full preview what to watch for in game five at home against the clippers ready for you tuesday morning in the meantime listen to locked on sports today get the week end recap from that show available on all podcast platforms as well and i'll catch you guys tomorrow